you can teach someone a specific technology skill, but you can't really teach someone to to um, have, have that mindset of being able to um, have aptitude to pick up new skills very quickly. Hello and welcome to the Cap Gemini Cloud Podcast in partnership with CIO. Joining me today, we have Charlie Lee, Executive Vice President of North America for Cap Gemini's Cloud Services portfolio, who's based in Atlanta. And we have Joe Coyle, who's Global CTO for Cloud Services, based in New York. This episode is called, Is Your DevOps Strategy Putting Jobs at Risk? So in this episode, we're going to discuss the far-reaching implications that DevOps and automation can have for the roles of both IT and business professionals. We're going to look at the capabilities organizations need to make DevOps work and how to manage expectations within their teams. Um, so hello, Charlie. Uh, thank you for joining us. Hello, Joe. Um, Charlie, can you tell us a fun fact about yourself today? Well, uh, good morning. Uh, I have a two... Uh, Wonderful kids. Uh, they are twins, a boy and a girl. So every day for my family, it's a social experiment to see the differences between how uh, boys and girls grow up. <laughs> okay, that's pretty interesting. Doing sort of gender studies uh, by default then from the start. Um, that's not, that's lovely to know. Joe, what about you? Can you tell us a fun fact about yourself? Oh, fun fact. Well, um, I don't have twins, thank God. I do have three kids though. Um, <laughs> Anyway, I guess the fun fact for today is that um, I am planning to go on vacation, so I have driven my RV from Florida all the way up to uh, New York, and I'm sitting in my RV as we speak uh, doing this session. Wow, okay. That's quite, that's quite a serious amount of driving. I'm quite impressed with the... Uh, so yeah, it's kind of essentially the uh, Capgemini podcast kind of road trip style. So yeah, um, cool. To kick us off, um, I'm going to ask you, Joe. So there's, there's a lot of fear around new ways of working in IT and especially sort of automation, AI, DevOps. So what I want to know is what impact do you think DevOps will have on jobs? So is there a risk of of losing jobs, we hear some kind of quite uh, apocalyptic th takes on this. So what's your take? Yes, I, I don't believe we'd be losing jobs. Now, there's always an exception of, you know, people who do not want to adapt to change. So it, and that, that's usually a very, very small piece of the population. So I would say that those types of people may be somewhat at risk. But what DevOps is really doing is just it's just taking those repeatable, almost mundane tasks that are very critical uh, and need to be done, but um, don't add a lot of value to the business. Uh, it's, it's pretty much taking that away with the, with the uh, introduction of, of automation, and it's allowing those resources to focus more on the value-add side of the house. And, and so the job, um, if anything, I think the jobs will increase. I mean, if, the best way to look at this is if you just see what Amazon did, which really, um, in a lot of ways, Amazon Web Services you know, created the DevOps atmosphere that we live in today. And it, it, it has exploded jobs across the world. So again, the, the, the value of this is that the mundane tasks, the, the um, repeatability of the tasks become automated and the resources free up to do more value-added work, which is critical. Great. Okay. So if anything, you're kind of suggesting that perhaps it, it could free up people's time to create even more value, even more jobs. Um, Charlie, what, what would be your take on this? Do people need to worry about losing their jobs as a result of DevOps? Well, I, I agree with uh, Joe. 
certainly there's always going to be a small population that would have to worry about their jobs if they're unwilling to change their mindset or change their, their way of working or even add to their own existing skill sets. But in, in general, uh, I see DevOps no different than the last two automation revolutions that we've experienced, one being the, the uh, industrial revolution, the other being the computer revolution. And in both cases, people feared for their jobs due to the large amounts of automation. If you think about computer especially, was there to really automate many, many mundane tasks that we do on a daily basis. And yet, uh, we could argue probably in the last couple of generations, the computer revolution has generated more jobs than any other uh, you know, paradigm change. So I think DevOps is no different. Uh, it will continue to create jobs, but the types of jobs will change and the skill sets will change and the way people interact with each other uh, will also change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So it sounds from both of you like what you're saying is, is not so much that there's an inevitable loss of jobs, but that people need to try and keep pace and make sure that their skills are right. And a lot of it seems to be around sort of willingness to to change and to learn. Um, I mean, does it slightly depend how you implement the strategy? Does that sort of depend on how the DevOps strategy is implemented in the first place? Or or do you think that that's the case regardless? Um, Joe, perhaps you could, you could provide some thoughts on that. Yeah, sure. Um, it, there's no... Um you know, there's no special way to do this, but my belief is just from um, talking to clients and seeing it in real time, uh, most clients would want to adapt the ops piece, the operational piece first. Uh, and that, that's simply because that's where most of the rigorous testing and so forth happens. And, you know, it's to protect your production environments and so forth. So starting with the ops, is um, I think the most critical piece of that. The dev part is where the speed and the innovation comes into play. But if you start the speed and innovation first, your operations team will fall behind uh, very quickly, and you know, and, and a little bit of chaos there. So, you know, in summary, I, I think the operations piece is the first piece to get adjusted. Uh, when you have that right, then you can turn you know the dev piece loose and and start getting that innovation and speed. Sure, right. Uh, and Charlie, perhaps you could tell me um, a bit more around the the different job roles that that uh, you know implementing a DevOps strategy affects. So perhaps you could you could walk us through that um, that kind of idea. Sure, you know, there's a couple of um, uh, changes there. First, uh, the way people used to work is very much in a siloed uh, manner. Uh, skill sets were very much divided. Really, come from the assembly line type of concept where there's a bunch of people that do uh, operations, there are a bunch of people that do testing, there are a bunch of people that do uh, development, and they're supposed to be very, very good at what they do, and, but they're only supposed to do those things. And then uh, when they're done, they throw their result over the fence and let the ne next team take over and so on and so forth. That um, uh, model really isn't uh, suited for, for today's fast-paced world and Dev, DevOps is really to help uh, teams work more in pods where uh, there could be a pod of um, resources that may include a developing a developer skill set, a testing skill set, an operations skill set, infrastructure skill set, and so on. And that uh, team is self-contained and they move as quickly as possible without the constraints of the uh, rigorous uh, policies and governances and and uh, 
the the team mentality or the assembly line mentality. So I think the the way you organize the teams are, are quite different. And then secondly, because the way you're organized in that fashion, uh, each individual has to work within a, a team construct. So it's no longer throwing things over the fence. Um, you know, testers no longer say that, well, that, that's developer's job. It's really not my, not my problem. Whereas in, in the new world, you know, every individual has to wear multiple hats, even though they still do have a primary role, they, uh, they understand enough about the other aspects of things to be able to quickly help the whole team progress. Uh, and at the same time, a lot of automation is introduced so that a lot of the menial tasks, such as um, you know, provisioning servers and whatnot, are now no longer uh, something that you know, in, the, the team has to really worry about because it's, it's, uh, it's done in the background, it's automated, so that, so that individuals start to become more uh, innovators, designers, and brokers rather than you know managers and managers of, of individual tasks mm, that's a that's a really useful explanation um thanks very much charlie kind of helping to unleash a bit more creativity from people perhaps um and joe can you kind of talk us through we, we you know as as charlie mentioned perhaps people that are managing their own servers potentially they they could be keeping one eye on on their job and trying to improve their skills who else could be at risk of losing their job if they don't change and adapt to to the future DevOps strategy? Yeah, there's a there's a few areas. Um, one of them I would say is is, a, is an area that's been around for generations, which we just could call you know quality assurance or QA. That there used to be, uh, and there still is in, in what we call mode one operations. There, there's a fairly large group of people that are you know like the I guess the ring fence uh, to production. And and those teams would test, you know, depending on on what the what the system was, it could be weeks, it could be months, in order to play out every scenario and get that that you know development piece to production. That group is is quickly becoming a dinosaur, uh, based on what Charlie just said, because of the way they're no longer in pods and the actual speed of development that's happening with these new tools and and processes. Uh, that that team itself is at risk um, in this current format because again as charlie said the developers are as much testers now as uh as the qa team the other one is a little bit of a side step and it's not really not a technology group but it's it's the traditional enterprise procurement team uh procurement from the aspects of technology if you think about it, the procurement team in the past um had a lot of heavy lifting to do you know buying servers and storage and networks and and literally you know buying land to build data centers for the most part the cloud technology has uh put that to the side so there there'll always be some enterprises you know buying that stuff but for the most part uh, probably two thirds of what that procurement team was doing has disappeared because you can provision, you know, on the fly what you need, and then with the with the DevOps technology, that be, even becomes automated. So, if the two groups that jump out to me are, are those two, um, for various reasons I just explained. Mm. Yeah. 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 So, so kind of um, yeah, looking at, at procurement as we move to to a lot more sort of scalable and you know an environment where we can just spin things up as needed uh and qa um and perhaps charlie w would you would you agree with that or is there anything you'd add in terms of uh, particular skill sets or jobs that are, are looking a bit more at risk than others well i think uh, all of those things are are are, are certainly valid uh, even the 
developer, um, I would say that if you they cannot change the way they they look at how development is done, kind of the f- fail fast model, being able to uh, drive sprints rather than you know creating requirements and, and spending uh, months looking at our requirements and then spending months designing and spending months doing development. If they're not able to very quickly um, create PLCs, uh, create codes that that uh, they can test very quickly. Um, I, th- I think they will they will also um, you know not not be able to keep up with the times. Uh, the, the ability today if you look at a lot of uh, a lot of the development methodology is, is kind of the pairwise development methodology where two people write code at the same time together and they and they test while they code and so on and so forth. Uh, quite different than the traditional way of, of doing uh, you know, doing things where it's writing code as quickly as possible, perhaps writing a lot of sloppy code and then and then throwing over the fence and letting someone catch all your problems. I uh, think that, you know, if that was the uh, the model that you followed, you really have to quickly change the way you uh, you work or, you know, or you, you will probably uh, also be at the risk of losing your job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so it sounds like a few things. It sounds, you know, people can't really work in a completely um, contained way and sort of just, as you say, throw things over the fence. They need to act a lot more, um, have multiple hats, as you've said. And it also sounds like a lot of this is around the pace of of, of things happening. So it seems like things are speeding up a lot more. People are expected to, to go to production a lot more quickly. Um, perhaps Joe, we, we've, we've talked a lot about the kind of slightly more scary aspects of jobs that are, are, are at risk. Perhaps we can look at the, the things that will be more valuable in future. So which jobs and skill sets are now going to become more valuable? So how can these, these people that we've talked about, what skills do they need to learn to make sure that they are kind of, um, future proof in terms of employment? Sure. And, and, and again, I think I'll, I'll focus on the developer side here, which is kind of the tip of the spear uh, around um, where this is all coming from. The traditional developer, you know, back in the day and, and um, myself being one of them, um, I was a developer many years ago, is really what you needed to focus on was not so much the business side, but taking the functional specifications, uh, technical specifications from a business analyst that, that is on the business side and translating that into code. And, and that code would, you know, technologically, um, you know, facilitate what they're asking. So uh, now tra- coding back then was a little bit difficult. So there was, it was a skill set, but you really didn't have to understand the business side. You really just needed to understand how to translate those business requirements um, on paper into, into code. That, that has changed with this role. The developers these days are being counted on to be business analysts, to understand the business almost more than they understand how to code. Um, the new coding tools of the day, the natural language tools coming out, um, has simplified the actual creation of the code. So the real value now for these people is to understand the business and be able to translate that very quickly into the innovative models that they were using today. So in a, in a nutshell, that's it. A coder is no longer in a, in a pod, as Charlie said earlier, uh, that is going to wear multiple hats, understand the business inside and out, and be able to translate what they see in that business as far as streamlining innovation um, into code very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So kind of understanding the broader context that they're, that they're operating in a lot more. 
Um, and Joe, I mean, uh, I guess that you've kind of talked a bit more about, um, you know, kind of the mindset almost rather than needing a particular technology skill. Charlie, what would you what would you add to that? Kind of when it comes to the sort of skills and, and mindsets that developers or other professionals involved in DevOps need to move towards, what sort of what sort of things would you be recommending that they they try to adopt? Well, I'll, I'll actually answer that question from a slightly different perspective, perhaps from a from a hiring manager and the company is looking for the resources of the future. I think you know people are, really need to start looking for people that have the aptitude and the ability to uh, adapt to change and be able to you know constantly pick up new skill sets. Uh, I think it's uh, the days of looking for a specific skill set person uh, is over, right? In the past, if you look at hiring managers, they want someone to fit into a very specific niche uh, skill or role within a company. I want a Java developer, five years of experience that has worked on a e-commerce platform, uh, you know, with, with a Microsoft, or no, or so with a non-Microsoft uh, world, uh, maybe it's an IBM specific or Oracle specific Java. So that, that, that's very specific. I think in the future, as people start to um, recruit resources, I think we, number one, look for people that has the aptitude to um, adapt to change and aptitude to learn and pick up new skill sets versus those that specifically fit within a mold. Because you can teach someone a specific technology skill, but you can't really teach someone to, to um, have, have that mindset of being able to um, have aptitude to pick up new skills very quickly. Absolutely, that that makes sense. So I guess we're talking a lot more around uh, the importance going forward of adaptability, willingness to learn, you know, these things that are more important than, as you say, having a specific um, kind of tech skill. And kind of we, we talked a, a bit about the kind of developer point of view. Perhaps we can zoom out slightly and, and look at the CIO and kind of their, their role. Um, what does this shift mean for them in terms of managing their people and looking at different jobs? How how does that kind of change the role that that they that they're doing? And um, perhaps you can give me some input on that, Joe. Sure. the The CIO role, um, you know, in today's world is probably one of the more difficult I've seen. Uh, the CIO, it's always been a difficult role because you're you're really keeping the business up and running. I mean, at, at its highest level. But with with these changes here, this the CIO is in in it has multiple hats. For, for, for an example, one thing is they're becoming an HR person, right? For uh, comments Charlie made around the difference in the people and the skill sets and, and finding people, I mean, the, the CIO's role has to map that out. But I think the most difficult piece for them now is is managing both the old and the new. And, and what I mean by that is there's still a lot of ERP systems out there, what you know, Gartner uh, calls mode one. Uh, you know, traditional IT, traditional servers, uh, maybe running SAP, maybe running Oracle, PeopleSoft, so on and so forth. All those systems are still critically important to the organization. Now, on the flip side, you have what we've been talking about is, you know, the Gartner Calls Mode 2, which is really this fail fast, uh, move quickly DevOps world. And these people are spinning up new pieces of software, you know, daily, weekly. So you have two, you know, bimodal is the other term they use, two bimodal paths here. And the CIO has to keep these in sync and at the same time continue the traditional roles of reducing cost, um, streamlining the business. So 
there's this dance that they're doing that is extremely difficult. Keep that mode one traditional IT running because it's still mission critical to the business. Don't handcuff the the new world um, because that's where the innovation comes at you know lightning speed, which they need. And keeping the cost down because you can't have um, you know two separate organizations running this, which is in effect what most uh, enterprises have now. So when you throw all that uh, together, the CIO's skill sets uh, are radically different, and what they need to do and what they need to do quickly is uh, is quite the burden on, on that role. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, makes a lot of sense. Um, and Charlie, perhaps you could provide a little input on this. So. What does this shift mean for CIOs and, and and for their sort of differing responsibilities? I think going back to what Joe mentioned earlier about having to have more business knowledge, I think you'll find that the, the CIOs uh, of the past that are really more of the keeping the lights on, those who were not well respected by the business because they did not understand the business. And certainly many of them didn't care about the business. They simply cared about how to manage and run IT or keep the lights on for IT. I think those CIOs will begin to die because they're not the ones that are really adding value back to the business. They're the ones keeping the lights on and, and, and they'll continue to be uh, you know, devalued and, and not respected. I think the new CIOs are those that are uh, innovative, understand how to drive business innovation. Uh, they're the ones that know how to interpret, uh, how to leverage the latest and greatest technologies to enable business and digital transformation. Many of them, um, as Joe rightfully mentioned, have, have been able to balance keeping the lights on with driving innovation that by model, model IT. Um, and, and also many of them are starting to behave more like, a, a, you know, kind of the digital officer of the, of the uh, organizations. I think those kind of the new, new age CIOs will be much more successful than um, kind of their older counterparts. Sounds like a tough job. I don't know who'd uh, don't know who'd do it. Um, so looking at this from the perspective, uh, probably of, of the CIO, what kind of budgetary issues are there around hiring and building teams for DevOps? Can you kick off um, with that one, Charlie, please? Sure. As John mentioned earlier, you know, in, the, in that bimodal IT world where you have to uh, still keep the lights on while trying to drive innovation, there will always be a period of time where you have to spend a little bit more. Uh, to reap the benefits down the line. So for CIOs and organizations who are thinking that I'm just going to go ahead and cut 50% of my budget where we're, I'm trying to keep the lights on and then just use that for driving innovation or, or driving DevOps transformation, it's probably a bit naive. Uh, you know, there's it, it's, it's very difficult to do that. Now, you might be able to uh, take advantage of some automation or, or new technologies such as public cloud to reduce perhaps some of your spend and then use that, but it's impossible to really drive both sides of the agenda without making some investments. So I think there will be a certain period of time where there will be an increase in budget uh, requirements in order to kind of drive down the overall cost and, and improve value over time. Sure, that makes sense. So kind of a bit of a invest to save mindset, I, I suppose. Um, Joe, what, what kind of input would you have that specifically around budgetary issues with, within DevOps? Yeah, I think the, the one other issue we haven't spoke about is, you know, we talked about this bimodal, um, the CIO challenge of running, you know, pretty much two independent teams, keeping the lights on and so forth. Um, the other challenge here is that 
there's really two paths to get out of this. There's the, you know, retraining, repurposing of the um, traditional skill sets, the resources in that group, um, which, which obviously can be done and should be done, but you're abandoning one side of the house for the other. The other area is to, you know, recruit these new resources to pick up what we call mode two. The challenge with that is that right now in, the, in this environment, they are still considered to be very scarce skills. So in effect, that new resource is going to cost more than uh, retraining that um, existing resource. So there's a, a budget dynamic here too, just around the cost of the, um, of the employees and the resources that has to be looked at. So as Charlie mentioned, there will be an uptick in budget. Um, there will be additional cost uh, throughout this transition, and it's up to the CIO to to move as quickly as possible to get that back to neutral. And uh, that may be simple for some organizations and very, very, very difficult for others. So it's been a very interesting podcast. We've been, we've been discussing, um, is your DevOps strategy putting jobs at risk? And we've looked at a couple of areas, looked at QA, looked at procurement areas that perhaps need to adapt and change. We've talked about this being a little bit more of a kind of a mindset and adaptability change rather than purely around specific tech skills. Um, and it's been a really, really interesting discussion. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Joe. Uh, it's bye from me, Charlotte Jean. Can I get a bye from you both, Charlie and from Joe? Thank you, Charlotte. It's been a pleasure and see you all on a future podcast. Thank you, Charlotte. And have a great day. Watch out for our next episode in two weeks where we discuss how to transform your organization for DevOps. Visit capgemini.com slash cloud to find out more.